You are listening to an official podcast from Kings of Europe, your football link to the European Super Leagues. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Kings of Europe podcast. My name is Pretty Smith. I'm your host. You can follow me at Pretty Smith on Twitter. And we are coming to you tonight from sunny. Well, it's kind of sunny here, Charleston, South Carolina. It's a little bit, it's a little bit cold, but well, for what we're used to. But uh, we have a lot of football to warm you up tonight. And uh, of course, this is a podcast of the Foresight. Foresight.com, Four Network, Fields of Anfield Road. And I have my good buddy back with me tonight, Aiden. And he is a former writer for BundesligaFanatic.com, the Yellow Wall Pod, and current performance performance analyst intern for Bristol Rovers. Aiden, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great. So um, we have a lot of football to talk about. Uh, some things have happened in the last two days, so to speak. Yeah, we've had a fairly busy week, and we've had some upsets that I don't think anyone uh, predicted. I know we didn't predict it. Uh, most definitely. Uh, I think you and I have um, s- said this a number of times, that uh, the outcome of these matches could have gone uh, anyway. And they certainly did go anyway. It was it was uh, the the only one that I think that we really thought may have happened was the Real Madrid Juventus uh, tie, which ended up being a lot closer than 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 we thought. But we're going to get to that uh, in just a minute. First of all, I want to start off um, with what I think is uh, definitely the most surprising fixture, uh, probably of the past five years in the Champions League. I, I'm I'm going through my head right now and trying to sort of think of one that is more shocking, and I cannot think of one. Um, Barca, of course, last year down 4-0 to Paris Saint-Germain, and they do themselves a 6-1 at home to advance to the quarterfinals. This year, they are on the receiving end of such a knockout blow upset, but at the hands of little A.S. Roma. Aiden, how, how, are you, how surprised are you at the Roma of all teams, not even, I wouldn't even call them a, a consistent uh, Serie A superpower. They're definitely, you know, over their history, probably top four, top five side. But, you know, last 10 years, it's been Juventus, Inter, recently Napoli. And I kind of put Roma down there with Lazio. It's kind of like the 4-5 team right there around Fiorentina. How surprised are you that Roma was able to uh, do the, do what they did to Barcelona of all teams? 
Yeah, I thought that uh, after the first leg, I thought Barcelona were pretty much through. I wasn't expecting Roma to make a comeback at all. And yeah, they caught us completely off guard, largely thanks to Daniel De Rossi, who I believe scored an own goal in the first leg. So he sort of uh, got the fans to forgive him for that one. So how do you rate uh, your opinion? What, who do, do you... Th- which so De Rossi obviously is you know Roma's be all do all. Do you, who do you think? Uh, would you say that Ed Jeco was the difference maker in this in this picture? Uh, I would. I think just because he brings a presence that Barcelona usually does not see of La Liga strikers. Typically, La Liga strikers are more uh, pacey, more technical, uh, less aerial. I guess talented. And Edin Dzeko brought a different dynamic that I don't think Barcelona's defense has seen very often. It, it's just so unbelievable to me, and I can't believe this. That I, and, and there's a couple weeks ago, if you recall, uh, Barcelona was playing somebody they should have been beating the socks off of. And they come in, they score two goals in like the 89th minute, and I think extra time or whatever it was, and Messi he comes off the bench in that match and, and basically saves uh, Barcelona's bacon. I fully expected, uh, because I was watching the Liverpool-Man City uh, matchup, and so Barcelona was going on at the same time. I couldn't do dual action. I'm at work, you know. I gotta, I, I'm still at work this whole time. I got I to gotta focus on, 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 you know, things that deal with uh, 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 government things. And so I can, only, I can only goof off so much. So I had to choose Liverpool over this, this fixture, obviously. But... Were you surprised that Messi did not pull his Michael Jordan and uh, come through in the clutch? Or uh, do you think that maybe that this is just one of those times where Barcelona just had it coming? Well, I mean, I don't think you can consistently, no matter how great of a player you are, you still have 10 other men on the pitch with you. I think you have to expect more out of everyone else on the side. I mean, looking at the match ratings, I believe Messi had just over a 7. Whereas the second highest, I want to say it was Iniesta with a 6.4 match rating. So I may be wrong on that. But uh, yeah, I think that Messi did the most he could aside from obviously scoring goals. And I think he just needs a little bit more out of the rest of his side. So that being said, uh, you know, they spent a lot of money, obviously, on this guy from Liverpool, this Brazilian kid. I forget his name. Um, it's irrelevant. And, uh, of course, they raided uh, the Black and Yellows of Germany with uh, Usman Dembele, who came in, I believe, the 85th minute. Um, you know, not, not to blame the kid. It's not much you can do in five minutes. But um, where do you think this is... A transitional season coming up after this year for Barcelona. And yes, this obviously on his last legs, he's he is uh, uh, aging very quickly. Barcelona and their tactics have done a lot, in my opinion, to cover up for some of his shortcomings, and it still made him and allowed him to be an effective player. But I think that Nesta's time at Barca, or in let me say, uh, top flight, top level global or continental football, has come to an end. Do you think that uh, Messi's maybe? Uh, do, do you think that he's not far behind there? How many more years do you think that he's going to be able to perform at the level we're used to seeing? 
Well, I think with Messi, what you have to consider is guys like him, they play at a different caliber than everyone else in the world. Um, they don't necessarily have the same expiration date as everyone else. I would assume if you were an average player, I'd say he probably has four more years left. I think we're going to see him for playing at a world-class level for, I'm going to go and say, seven years. Oh, wow, that's so that's going to put him almost near 40 then. Uh, yeah, roughly. I don't see him ending anytime soon. And I don't think he's obviously going to be winning all the, all the awards that he's winning now. But I still think he'll be able to perform at a high level. Fair enough. Uh, well, that is it. Uh, it is done and dusted for Barcelona in the Champions League. Here, let me take a shot of this uh, bourbon here. Got a, you know, my uh, shout out to Bullet for keeping me going tonight. Uh, it's good stuff. Um, so let me, let's switch to the next match. Um, Liverpool Football Club versus Manchester City, a.k.a. can't get it done in the Champions League. Um so, going into this match, Manchester City lined up with a three-man back line. Before we go any further, do you or do you not think that that was the right call by Pep Guardiola? Uh, I think it depends on who he had as his wide midfielders, which he had later at Sané and Bernardo Silva. And that's where I think it was the wrong call. You're facing arguably the best front three or attacking line in the Premier League. You can't put just three guys back there. You need a little bit of cover. You need a little room for mistake. Mm-hmm. And you do not get that coverage from Bernardo Silva and Leroy Sané, unfortunately. Silva, though, looked like he was kicking ass yesterday. I got to be – I mean, he, his, his, I mean he, was, he was keeping Liverpool's fullbacks on their toes. His uh, dribblings were amazing. Uh, and, and I argue, I will say this uh, – you know, make no mistake about it. I am a red. I'm a Liverpool supporter. Everyone who knows me knows that. But uh, this match, two minutes in, one to three on aggregate. Manchester City is out for the kill. They have a goal brought back because of a very near offside, I believe, on Leroy Sané and Silva. I believe it was later on in that match. Uh, I, I I believe it was him. Hits the post. If he's three or four inches further in. He beats Karius. It's a goal. That's two to three. Possibly, you take that offside goal back. If that did count, it was three. It did, they they had uh, put it on the scoreboard, so it was two to three, and then they bar- took it back off. But those are opportunities right there that if Pep gets those right, it's three to three at halftime, and you have to say at that point, Manchester City has every bit of momentum going in that second half, and Liverpool look like they're going to go out. Do you not agree? I agree 100%. Once I saw Gabriel Jesus score that goal, I I knew his game back on. Um, but unfortunately, you have the beauty of football, and things don't always go your way. And for Pep Guardiola, things did not go his way. Um, so do you... It's not really the player's fault, and it's not really his fault to some extent. Uh, it's just a lot of unlucky, and I think it just comes down to the first leg. You need a, you need more. You can't be shut out away. No, I agree. But uh, one question, one question I'd like to ask is: Do you think that um, wh- so Liverpool was like 
30% possession in the first half. They were they could not hold on to the ball to save their lives. And I mean, for about 10 minutes there, they looked like they wanted to concede. I mean, they were they were on their heels. It, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, it looked uh, extremely shaky. I was surprised that Jordan Henderson did not start this match. Uh, the fact that the captain was on the bench, of course, the co-captain or vice-captain, James Milner, was on the pitch. But Liverpool could do absolutely nothing right in the first half. Where do you think, do you think that was, uh, do you think, what do you think Klopp was thinking with that? Do you, and what do you, what adjustments do you think he made at the half that worked out so well in their favor? Uh, from what I saw, I believe James Milner, he was operating more as just a out-and-out, bots-to-bots midfielder uh, in the first half. But going into his second, he seemed to drop back more and to just be more of a coverage mid sitting right in front of Virgil van Dijk and uh, Lovren. And I think adding that one extra man back there really worked out, I will say. I think Milner had a very impressive game. I was very happy with his positioning, uh, just watching him. He seemed to always be in the right spot at the right time. He wasn't necessarily getting all the interceptions or making like a game-saving tackle, mm-hmm. but he was there to force Manchester City to go a different direction. It was just a very interesting tale of two halves um, because Manchester City don't really lose at the Etihad, and now they've lost twice in that building in, what, the last... They lost to United a couple weeks or a week ago, and then they lost to Liverpool this week. And, yes, while the Premier League title is won, that's done and dusted, Pep Guardiola uh, is... He suffers lately from this disease of being able to win the league title. He did so three times with Bayern but unable to do anything really in the Champions League. And now, yet again, last year he gets absolutely demolished by Monaco. Kylian Mbappe, Thomas Lamar, uh, these Monaco kids last year absolutely just bursted onto the scene and, and, and threw Manchester City out like a ragdoll. This year he goes up against uh, a team that he beat 5-0 in September at that very building and uh, is not able to get the job done. So... Are we are we on the are we on board yet with saying that Pep Guardiola is a is a one trick pony that he can get it done in the league? But he's you know as far as Champions League is concerned, outside of Barcelona, many many years ago now at this point, uh, what have you done for me lately, Pep Guardiola? Not so much in the UCL. What do you think about that? Uh, I wouldn't go as far to say he's a one trick pony. I think he, I think there's a lot of just luck of the draw that matters um we saw monaco last year they were phenomenal uh phenomenal um they pushed aside nearly every team they faced and this year we're seeing arguably one of the best liverpools in a very long time i don't necessarily think that it's him failing in champions league Mm -hmm. i think it's rather his players seem to almost be going down a gear as the season draws so close. Um, I will say there hasn't been much rotation in his squad. I I don't know the numbers right from my or it's not right from me, it's not off the top of my head. But I feel like Manchester City players 
are playing a lot more minutes than their competition. And it could just simply be either, oh, we already have the title. It could be a mentality thing. Or it could simply be uh, players are running on E right now. They're playing with the last bit of energy that they have for the season. Well, something to note is they were up 2-0 against United, and everything looked like it was fine. And NBC's coverage over here was already announcing them as the Premier League champions. And then they concede three goals in the second half. It looked like there was a complete loss of confidence on that, and, and from that aspect. They go up 1-0 against Liverpool in the second leg here on Tuesday. And then as soon as Salah hits that goal, and I know at that point, it, 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 it mentally you have to start doing the math and you say to yourself, okay, if they score one, now we got to score five because of the, you know, the, 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 basically the, uh, the shit sandwich we built for ourselves in the uh, first leg. But it's, they look like they, Manchester City to me looks like a team that if you punch them really hard, they don't punch back. As long as they get the first lick in, they seem to be fine. And had there, had there not been an aggregate, you know, to come back from, I think that that 1-1, when Salah scored that, that equalizer, I'm not sure that in, in, normal, in, a, in a league game, say, or a FA Cup game, that Manchester City doesn't come back to win. But they knew they, basically, it's like, okay, we have to throw 10 guys forward now. Now we're down 4-1 aggregate. We have to uh, score five to, to get through. Do you think that there's a, do you think that there's a, a so to speak, once that those players are mentally soft, that they lack confidence when they get punched in the mouth? It's possible. Um, I think most of these players are experienced enough that they should be able to handle the pressure. But yeah, it's an aspect that I haven't like truly thought of. But it's sort of a fight-or-flight mentality comes into play. And it's you have to throw everything forward and usually that makes you reckless. It leaves you open for mistakes. And if you're facing a well-disciplined team, it's likely they're going to be able to exploit those uh, mistakes. It's, it, certainly, it certainly is an interesting scenario. And, of course, uh, Pep Guardiola will be in year three uh, next season. Uh, Jurgen Klopp will be in his full third season next year at Liverpool. So, I, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see Liverpool and I think Manchester City battle it out for the Premier League title next year, especially with reinforcements coming into Anfield and in the uh, you know form of Naby Keita. Uh, obviously, they're going to be um, shopping around a little bit more to get some more reinforcements. And Rashan likely on his way out. But um, yeah, I, I think it's I, I think we're going to I think it's going to be a, a dogfight next year between the Reds and the Blues, and and you know we'll see where that goes. Uh, is it interesting to say, Aiden, real quick? Uh, you're talking about Pep Guardiola and it's the luck of the draw, but it doesn't seem like it really matters what draw he gets. With Dortmund, it doesn't matter what draw he gets. He got the worst of the worst in that Champions League. He ended up having to go and beat Real Madrid. He does that. He gets to the Champions League final with Dortmund, a sign that had not been to the Champions League final since 1997. Does the same thing with Liverpool, a very, very uh, underwhelming Liverpool side in 2016. Takes them all the way to the Europa League final. Beats Thomas Tuchel. And what was a fantastic Dortmund side in the Europa League quarterfinals. And this year, again, he's in the semifinals of the Champions League. What do you think it is about Jurgen Klopp? He just, he just seems, he, he, he seems to do well in these European competitions. Yeah, I think that you have some managers that typically struggle when the pressure gets higher. And it seems with Jurgen Klopp, his greatest downfall is when there is no pressure. 
um, I think it seems to be the higher pressure of the match, mm-hmm. the better his side performs. Uh, certainly would seem seem to be that way, and as uh, uh, <laughs> every every Liverpool supporter will continue to scratch their head over the uh, West Bromwich Albion results, but then uh, of course you beat Manchester City three times in one season, and you know all is forgiven. But moving on now, uh, not much to discuss: Bayern, München, and Sevilla. Nil uh, nil, boring. Bayern did what they had to do. They were at the home at the Allianz Arena. Sevilla needed two goals. You and I both knew in our heart of hearts last week as we discussed it, pretty much mission impossible. Uh, you have anything to add on that fixture or anything you want to say? Uh, no, not especially. Um, it's actually a little surprising. I believe Sevilla actually had more of the ball or uh, took more passing around. But I believe they didn't manage a single shot. I cannot think of a shot from Sevilla in the nil-nil match and it's obviously playing right into Byron's hand mm. you can't get a shot on um, so yeah it was a very well disciplined game from Byron it's exactly what you want to see happen it's almost like Byron just knew we need to do the bare minimum in this match even even losing one nil would have done Sevilla no favors they would have had to score two and I think that in <clears throat> in the case of Byron when and if they need to score a goal at the Allianz Arena, no matter who the who the uh, opponents are that stand on the other side of the pitch, they can do that. So it, I, I just didn't see really any possibility of Sevilla going through. I know anything's possible. We've seen that in this Champions League, especially this week. But there's just something about Bayern München at the Allianz Arena. Juventus two years ago, up 2-0, and... I believe was uh, Thomas Miller scores in the 89th minute to send it to extra time. And then of course, Rafinha scores and this guy scores and, it, and then it becomes a bloodbath. I mean, they are damn near impossible to beat in that building. Yeah. It's a uh, few teams managed to utilize the, I guess, home field advantage the way Bayern does. It allows them to, go into every home match. Uh, coasting isn't necessarily the right word, mm-hmm. but it allows them to sort of take their foot off the gas and know you can play your game stress-free and you'll get the result. Absolutely well said. So, going on to the last match of the U- U- UEFA Champions League quarterfinals, we had Juventus, Turin, and Real Madrid. And Juventus had dug themselves a nice grave uh, only last week, uh, going down three nil at home to Real Madrid. Well, that fixture was done and dusted. We didn't really have any need to watch, so why watch, right? Because Real Madrid's at the Bernabeu; they're not going to lose. But they almost did. Aiden Juventus scores three goals. Mandzukic is in like 2013 Bayern München Champions League form, and all of a sudden. In the 97th minute, Aiden, in the 97th minute, who of all teams gets a penalty awarded to them but Real Madrid? You, my friend, tweeted out something very interesting that I immediately liked and agree with. Is there any team in European football that gets more favors handed to them on a silver platter than this team? What are your thoughts on that penalty? Was it deserved? And... What do you think about, should Cristiano Ronaldo get the glory for scoring what is really 
you know, for if you're a prolific striker like him, should be automatic almost 100% of the time? Oh, well, looking back on it, I will say I think my, uh, I guess, uh, upset are seeing Juventus concede a penalty that late. Uh, I think I was a bit harsh on Real Madrid, I will admit that. (laughs) (laughs) It was a much clearer penalty looking at the replay than in the heat of the moment. Uh, As for Ronaldo getting the spotlight for his goal, I don't think it's that noteworthy. I mean, it's a penalty. You have a 83% chance of scoring a penalty. And I'm sure the odds only go up when you're playing at home. I'm sure the odds go up when it's the very first shot a goalkeeper faces for the day. And what we saw for Shatsune, uh coming out of the or coming off the touchline and going into the net and hoping for the best against one of the world's greatest attackers. So, where do you, where do you think this? Um... <clears throat> where do you think this leaves Real Madrid uh, as far as – is this one of those things where you just chalk it up to being a, this is a bad night at the office? Or is this a um, – because this reminds me honestly of – and you and I have talked about this fixture many times before. Uh, little Falafel Wolfsburg, this little German side that used to have Julian Draxler and Andre Schule and some uh, other German internationals, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez for the Swiss team now playing with AC Milan – uh, they punched Real Madrid square in the jaw uh, two years ago in the Champions League, 2-0 on aggregate going back to the Bernabeu, only to lose it 3-0. The, the seemingly, Real Madrid happens every single year where somebody punches them in the mouth and they, they somehow escape every single time by the skin of their teeth. Do you think this is a sign that perhaps they are sort of vulnerable this year, or do you think it's business as usual for Zidane's lads? Uh, I think that going through the rest of the Champions League, they'll be fully focused on it. So I think it will be business as usual. But it's worth noting the um, early season struggle that you usually don't see out of Real Madrid. Uh, There may be some trouble in the water, but it's tough to tell without being inside the locker room. Um, So yeah, I, I think... If they draw Liverpool or Bayern, it's going to be a very well-fought, tough fixture. But, I mean, obviously Roma just beat Barcelona, but I still think Real Madrid would handle Roma without any issue. Uh, so we say. That's, that's easy. I, I, I'm not doubting Roma at this point anymore at all. I, I, I'm, you're not going to hear me say a damn thing about Roma losing to anybody because if you can beat if you can beat Lionel Messi 3-0 in a do or die matchup uh you know to advance in the Champions League uh, especially when you're considered I mean everybody that was covering the match over here said Roma was done there's very little reason unless you're a Roma diehard or a Barcelona fan that just wants to see their team go through very little reason to watch this game you should watch Absolutely watch the Liverpool-Manchester City game. It's going to be far more entertaining. And of the two, lo and behold, that one was the one that absolutely took our breath away. So uh, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of at the, at, at, of the opinion that Real Madrid have to win this tournament. And you and I have talked about this before. 
just recently, this past weekend, Aiden, Real Madrid slipped to fourth in the La Liga standings. Fourth place. Unheard of for them. If Real Madrid does not win this Champions League, and I mean they go to the final and they lose in the 94th minute, Zidane is sacked. Are we agreed on that? Uh, yeah, I'd put the mortgage on it. Um, I, <laughs> the whole mortgage, all right. It, yeah, I think that it's a safe bet without Champions League this year by how harsh Real Madrid are on their managers. Uh, there will be no choice but to send Zidane away. And that's, and, that's, and that's unbelievable for a team that, that essentially has won three consecutive, well, two consecutive Champions Leagues and is you know, obviously in the semifinals for a, a, an unprecedented three-peat. Only a Real Madrid themselves and Bayern München, and it escapes me who else has done it. I know a lot of, there's eight teams that have won the Champions League back-to-back. I know that for a fact. Uh, but only two or three, maybe two. I know Bayern and Real Madrid have done it three in a row. For a manager to be, you know, on 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 the outs for that, and I know that that, that basically the Real Madrid decision makers, if you will, are waiting simply for this Champions League season to be over, and they're going to make the decision. Now, if he wins, he's safe. We all know that, and he and he should be. But they're. Is this league performance by them? Is that an indication? Is that is that where Real Madrid is heading in the league? Should we expect them to essentially not be as consistent in Spain, but yet continue to impress uh, on the continent? I don't think so. I think Real Madrid will do whatever they can to stay successful at all levels. Um, with Real Madrid, it's different from other clubs. It's not about your recent success. It's about continued perfection. And right now, Real Madrid are not perfect, and their fans still expect perfection, and they'll be doing whatever they can to make sure that perfection comes back. It's really hard to say, and this is I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but take away that 97th-minute penalty. Between Juventus and Real Madrid, between the two legs, who deserved to go through if it's 3-3? My heart says Juventus, mm-hmm. but just from how Real Madrid still was fairly dominant despite losing 3-1 today. Um, they had more shots, they had more accurate passes, they had a higher passing percentage, and they maintained possession. So I think I'm going to have to say Real Madrid deserved to go through. Okay, fair enough. So that brings us that brings us to the that brings us to our, our our next topic of discussion, which is a quite interesting one. We won't know until Friday, obviously. But let me ask you. Um, so when we, uh, we you know when we casually talk about this, we talk ah, who do you want to see in Champions League semifinals, and of course Barcelona. Everybody you know want to play Barcelona. Well, they're not in it anymore, so we don't have to worry about that. So now with the final four being set, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Bayern Munich, and Roma, we now have. A guaranteed non-Spanish final, which I know we were all hoping for. And we have a representative from obviously four of the five four of the five super leagues in Europe. We have a an Italian powerhouse, an English powerhouse, a German powerhouse, and a Spanish powerhouse. Which of these four teams do you want who do you want to match up with who in the semifinal? What what's gonna get you to uh to tune in more so than if they didn't match up this way? 
Uh, I have two different aspects right now. First off, right now my team, as much as it pains me to say, being a Dortmund supporter, I am pulling for Bayern just for the sake of the league and just for the sake of the pride of the Bundesliga. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd like Bayern to draw Roma because I do think that would be a very exciting picture, just the two styles the teams provide. Uh, Obviously, that leaves Liverpool to Real Madrid which would also be just an attacking showdown. And also, it would allow for a potential uh, Jurgen Klopp versus Henke's final. So here's something interesting, and I know, and I'm going to say this right now for all Bayern fans, you guys do not want to draw Real Madrid. And do you know why? Because Spanish teams have knocked out Bayern Munich Four years in a row from the Champions League. Did you know that, Aiden? Uh, I guess thinking back, it made sense. I didn't. I can't say I like truly knew that off the top of my head. Well, I'm trying to think here. So 2014 was Barcelona knocked them out. 2015 was Real Madrid. 2016 was Atletico. And 2017, last year, was Real Madrid again. So, yeah, that's four. I just went through it in my head. Uh, that's that uh, old noggin there working. Not too much whiskey just yet. Um so, I think, you know, these are seemingly pretty much the same players that Bayern's had for much of this successful run. We're talking about Thomas Müller, we're talking about uh, Frank Ribéry, we're talking about Ian Robin, we're talking about Manuel Neuer, who's not playing yet, obviously, but, you know, he's still, he's still a Bayern Munich member last time I looked. And, you know, Jerome Boateng, David Aliba. So, these guys have been there since you know, all this losing to Spanish sides started. And some of these, besides the Atlético Madrid, really, they weren't even that close. I mean, it, it's been pretty much dominance from Barca and Real as, as, as it goes over. Do you think that Bayern, it's, there's, something, there, there's something mentally there? There's a reason to be afraid if they draw Real Madrid for some reason? I think when you're drawing Real Madrid or Barcelona, I'd like to hear one team or one manager come out and say, yes, I want Real Madrid. No one wants these sides. They're super clubs for a reason. And being back-to-back UEFA Champions League uh, winners, it's expected that you're going to have a struggle against them. You don't want them. Very good point. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, I think that I, I, I look at it like Jurgen Klopp, he's obviously beaten Real Madrid, knows what it takes to beat Real Madrid, did so with Dortmund back in uh, 2013. I don't think that he fears Real Madrid. I really don't. I mean, do, do you? Do you think? I don't think Jurgen Klopp fears anyone, to be quite honest with you. I think he won't publicly show uh, a fear for them, and I don't know if fears the right word but I think he'd definitely be a little nervous about it he's going up against the defending champs and a defending champ that's 100% focused Mm -hmm. so my thought is what I'd like to see uh, just for the the purpose of, of, of seeing if they can overcome their demons I'm not saying this I'm no disrespect to Roma as as Liverpool I want Roma because it's a new matchup, it's a fresh matchup. Roma's already played a Spanish side, so I don't want to see Roma play play Real Madrid. Jesus, they just beat Barcelona. Give the kids a break. Let them. I mean, let them have something else. 
I want to see if Bayern can actually overcome their demons and finally beat Real Madrid when it counts. That to me is the is is the sexiest semifinal matchup. And in your in your vision, Aiden, still has the potential to set up a Jurgen Klopp, Jupp Heynckes Champions League final between Bayern München and Liverpool should both sides do their business. What, how, do you, how do you see that? I, I just don't think Bayern are capable of beating Real Madrid. I don't necessarily know if it's a difference in talent. I think it comes down to a difference in style of play. It's, uh, football can kind of be like a rock-paper-scissors style of a uh, the game and sometimes just one style of play is dominant over the other. I think the attacking Spanish football typically has the more possession-based German football's uh, number. So what do they need to do differently then? Because uh, to get to the Champions League final in 2013, Bayern München and Borussia Dortmund both had to overcome Spanish giants. Bayern München took care of business against Barcelona, winning one of the legs 4-0, and Dortmund took care of Real Madrid. So, and Dortmund has always played well against Real, uh, against Real Madrid. As we've, we've discussed this plenty of times. Real Madrid, in their illustrious history, just got their first ever win at the uh, Westfalenstadion in Dortmund this season. They were previously winless against Dortmund away from the Bernabeu. Borussia Dortmund have, I hate to say this, but they've owned Real Madrid. I mean, when it's coming, when it comes to playing at home, Borussia Dortmund undefeated until 2017 against Real Madrid. Why, what does Bayern have to do to do the same thing, Aiden? Where, where is Borussia Dortmund doing things right historically? And Bayern München seemingly can beat any other team on the continent, but they can't beat these guys. So what, what do they need to do differently and and? Dortmund is also possession based as we as we both know. So what are Dortmund what are Dortmund done historically, especially in the past five years since it's been five years since Dortmund in that Real Madrid fixture took place in twenty thirteen. So it's still relevant, it's still close enough. What do you think they need to do to to Bayern mention that is to turn the tables on Real Madrid? Uh, as weird as this is to say, and people may get upset for hearing this. <laughs> um I think what you have to do is, against a side like Real Madrid, against sides like Barcelona, the super clubs, you have to play for a draw at home. Now, this may sound weird. It's usually like you want to win at home and make sure you play for a draw away. Uh, But if you can keep a clean sheet when you're the home leg or on the home leg, that's going to put a lot more pressure on Real Madrid since they're used to being able to grabbing those away goals. That's going to try and it could force Real Madrid to go outside their comfort zone and be playing slightly more defensive out of fear of, oh, Bayern get one goal, so we now need to get two because they have the away goal. That... Okay, well, I mean that makes sense. I I don't disagree with that because if 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 you do play for a draw at home and you and and especially a, a scoreless draw, if you get that away goal, if it's a one-one away draw, you go through, right? Right. So that's I I see your strategy there. However, I <laughs> I believe that if if Liverpool draw Real Madrid, they're just going to go balls to the wall offense. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think that there is such a thing as Liverpool playing for a nil-nil draw at Anfield. What do you what do you say about that matchup? Is, should Liverpool get Real Madrid? Let me ask you this: Who has the better chance of beating Real Madrid over two legs? Liverpool, Roma, or Bayern? Well, I'd have to say Liverpool just from the continuous uh, challenging opposition that they face. Fair enough. That's um, that, that, that's that's a fair assessment. So I guess the I, so you so just to, to recap. So we, we you you want to see uh, Roma and Bayern and Liverpool and Real Madrid, correct? Right. And who do you have going through uh, over those two <laughs> over those two fixtures? Well, I'm going to put Bayern through over Roma. Uh, I still don't want to sleep on Roma, but I just don't view them as good enough. Um, I mean, they're in semifinal, obviously. They're a strong side. But And then uh, going Real Madrid versus Liverpool, that's honestly going to depend on the Anfield leg. I, I'm hoping Liverpool would get through, but if Real Madrid get two goals in Anfield, it's Real Madrid. Yeah, that would absolutely uh, be a killer if they were able to score two away goals um, at Anfield. Yeah, that that's I, I don't see. I, I mean, I, I know we're in the season of the comebacks right now as we've been experiencing this week in Champions League. But I think as the competition goes on, Real Madrid gets stronger and stronger, perhaps. And you definitely don't want to you don't want to have that pressure on you, do you? If you're down two nil at home with uh, the leg at the Bernabeu to go, you've nobody. Juventus is, they're the exception, not the rule, correct? Oh, right, yeah. And uh, also to add to that, I'm not saying necessarily losing 2-0 to Real Madrid in Anfield. I'm saying Liverpool can win 4-2. I still think it'd be Real Madrid's to lose. I definitely agree with that. So moving on uh, to one of Liverpool's players, let me ask you real quick uh, before we get into the fixtures for the weekend. Uh, do, do you believe that this is the changing of the guard as far as it pertains to the Ballon d'Or? And do you think that Mohamed Salah has made his case to win uh, football over the year uh, and, 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 and also tag the uh, Ballon d'Or and bring it home to Anfield? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I think right now it comes down to Champions League performance. Um Right now, Ronaldo has, I want to say, eight less than Mo Salah in the uh, league when it comes to league goals. Mm-hmm. But he's up by six or seven in Champions League, and you can argue Champions League goals are better than league goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think if Real Madrid either get further than Liverpool or if, obviously, they win uh, Champions League, I think that means that it's Ronaldo's. I do not see Messi being a top name uh, in this one. I think he's dropping to third. I want to say if uh, Liverpool get further than Real Madrid, then it goes to Mo Salah. But we all know it's a little bit of a popularity contest. And right now, Ronaldo's still king. Mo Salah is going to win the Golden Boot Award in the Premier League. And he's going to do that with uh, not, a, not a Premier League winning side. It's going to be a top four side. We don't know whether you know where Liverpool is going to drop between two, three, and four, but they will be top four. If he 
or, uh, excuse me, when he wins the Golden Boot Award in England, and if Liverpool win the Champions League, I can't really foresee a scenario that doesn't have um, number 11 for Liverpool winning the Ballon d'Or. I just, I, I, I find it hard to believe that Ronaldo, with a very disappointing La Liga campaign for Real Madrid and then uh, bowing out in the Champions League, would have enough steam behind him to surpass Mo Salah, who has, quite frankly, been one of the greatest transfers uh, in modern football history. I would agree with you on that. Um, I don't really have much to add, but yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so let's... let's uh, <laughs> Uh, well, I wish I wish him luck because I, I, you know, it's it's about time some uh, somebody some new blood came in besides uh, Messi and and Ronaldo. While as great as they both are, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it, it, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, and we 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 don't ever we don't ever really get to see. Any, there's so many great players. I mean, you've got Kevin De Bruyne, who you could argue is uh, one of the best midfielders on the planet, but getting very little consideration for, 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 for the big awards. And, you know, I, some people, somebody like him definitely deserves to be in the conversation. I, I've thought for a long time that uh, as a Dortmund fan pains me to say it because, um, you know, kind of sort of knife in the back and all, but Robert Lewandowski is, has been one of the most prolific strikers, uh, especially in the last five seasons. But, you know, very, Gets very little consideration when it comes to the major awards, and he's just, he's definitely deserving to be in the conversation. So it would be yeah, nice not to mention. Actually, um, I think given our standard or our uh, expectation for Salah to win it, I think you have to go with if Bayern Munich uh, win Champions League, it has to go to Lewandowski. I mean, he's no doubt. There's more. There's a higher chance of Harry Kane passing Mo Salah than there is of Naus Pedersen or Mark Guth uh, passing Lewandowski. And Lewandowski wins his league. Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Lewandowski's runaway uh, Golden Boot Award winner in the Bundesliga, the only person that had any chance of catching him or staying ahead of him was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and of course he switched leagues, so that's that was out of the question. I know one time he was ahead, uh, I think a quarter way through the season, but uh, then he got his head stuck up his ass, and you know we the rest is history. We all know what happens at that point. He goes to Arsenal, and then we never hear from him again. But anywho, moving on, we have uh, quite the Bundesliga matchup this week, Aiden. It is the Revere Derby. It is Schalke 04. It is Borussia Dortmund, and we have not had a winner in this series in quite some time. Aiden, what are your thoughts on this match, and do you see a winner coming out of the equation this weekend? Um, given how Dortmund are playing, despite the Stuttgart uh, 3-0 win, it wouldn't surprise me if this game is, again, kind of high-scoring. I don't think it'll be 4-4, but I'm going to say Schalke will do their normal. They may for lack of a better term, shithouse a win. Um, yeah, I think Schalke may have the edge going into this one. Okay, so Schalke is obviously uh, defensively compact. And now let's bring this – we're going we're gonna to se- segue here just for a second. Uh, you're, so the saying goes, you're only as, as good as your last performance. And, man, did Schalke suck in their last performance. They lost to the 
last place team in the basically a second Bundesliga side, if you ask me. And they lost in spectacular fashion. Uh, Hamburger SV beat Schalke three to two last week, making it possible for Dortmund to pull within one point of second place. Um, Aiden, bad day at the office, or Schalke is going back to being what many consider to be Schalke. I honestly don't know. I watched that picture, and I spent, I'm going to say about three hours, maybe four, just kind of left in a confused like state of mind mm-hmm. and not really knowing what happened because uh, we, we're seeing just random bad decisions that even for a like classic Shalka joke performance... Um, it, it was just, like, weird. I remember seeing, I believe it was Mats Meyer try and make a header or a headed pass that was about 20 meters long. And it's just something I've never seen before. There were interesting on-field decisions from the players. Well, as you all know that uh, occasionally you have your, your, your kryptonite teams. Do you think it's just maybe... A, to me, I ch- I'm, I'm going to give Schalke the benefit of the doubt here. I think they've, they've they, at least for 2017-18, they've proven over the course of uh, you know basically 30 match days at this point that they you know they they're, they're the number two team in Germany right now. So I'm going to look at it as Hamburg got up for it. They're desperate. They need points. Schalke is like you know it's Hamburg. You know what do we really? I, we don't really have to bring our best effort. We'll beat them just by showing up. And it's just one of those. It's one of those occasions. You know. Uh, it, it, it you know why does Bayern München lose a lot of times to Borussia Mönchengladbach? It seems like that happens more often than it should. Uh, it's just one of those. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this is an an anomaly, and we're gonna pass it on this week. And they're gonna get up for this game. This is this is this is this is a super match. Let's not get that twisted. I mean, this is the number three. This is the number three team in Germany who claims to be the number two team. And has aspirations to be the number one team, one point behind the little brothers who are the number two team in the table, but who Dortmund see probably as the number eight team. So there's a lot of hate, there's a lot of history, and there's going to be a lot of passion in this matchup. What are the keys to the match, in your opinion, uh, as it pertains to Dortmund and Schalke for this weekend? What does Dortmund need to do to win? What does Schalke need to do to win? Well, first things first, I'm going to start with Dortmund. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to start more directly with Stoger. I think Stoger cannot experiment with his tactics. We saw him against Bayern decide and try and break against what he's made his career on of being a defensive manager and go on the attack. If he tries that again, it will not work out well because it's not his game and it's not how his players are training. It's uh, being professional footballers or not, if you've been training for a certain system for the past half year, you can't just magically switch over to a different style. Um, and over for Schalke, uh, I think Schalke needs to make sure they have a consistent performance all throughout the year. Whenever Schalke loses or drops points, it's... Uh, sort of like old school, not necessarily very old school, but a couple of season old style of Schalke where it's just sloppy and lacks composure. Mm-hmm. I think if Schalke keep their heads in this one, they 
have their home uh, supporters with them. They'll have the positive reinforcement from their supporters. If they stay composed, then I think it will be enough for them to etch through. So, final score, what's your prediction on this game? 3-2 Schalke. 3-2 to Schalke. Wow. Um, I actually didn't see that coming. That's a, that's a good prediction. I, I'm i going to go with 2-1 to one Dortmund. I, I think that uh, Dortmund right now, uh, I'm starting to see an upward trend, and I don't know whether that's because the players have adopted their own system and they've simply said, you know, Sturge be damned, we're going we're gonna to start winning matches. Much, much improved performance against Falke Stuttgart last week. Uh, three goals is something that you and I have not seen for Borussia Dortmund in, in you know, consistently at least in, in quite some time, much less one match. So um, very, very happy to see uh, this, whether you, the Pulisic goal obviously was, I, I'm sure everyone thinks and knows that was a cross, but, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it is what it is. It's a goal nonetheless. So uh, things uh, good to see uh, Bashuai get back on the scoreboard, and 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 I, th- I think Dortmund honestly, they have more to prove in this match. Would you say? Uh, I would agree with that. I think Dortmund all season long has been needing to prove something. But let me ask you this before we get too far ahead: Did you have Borussia Dortmund beating Schalke uh, at the Valtteri Arena two mm-hmm. one? Uh, can you tell me when the last time Dortmund beat Schalke on Schalke's ground was? Um, I'm going to venture to say it was probably in the previous decade. It was in this decade? It's 20, 2011? No. Actually, uh, I guess technically later would be the word uh, than that. But it was back in 2013 in October where Dortmund won 3-1. So, okay, we're looking at five years. Well, it's t- all, all good things must come to an end for the Blues, right? <laughs> all right. And, yeah, looking back at that, you have goals from Aubameyang, Nuri Sahin, and none other than Kuba. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, a little bit. Long live Kuba. Long live Kuba. Yeah, long live. Uh, so, yeah, a little bit of nostalgia there. And... I'm not saying it's going to be impossible. Obviously, nothing's impossible, and it's likely or it's possible that Dortmund beats Schalke. Um, but I will say, that just because of how the recent fixtures have ended up, I'm going to say it's very likely that we see either a draw or a Schalke win. I don't see Dortmund managing to walk away with all three points, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope you are too. So <laughs> we can agree on that. So let's move to uh, let's move to England real quick. We got a big matchup this week. Uh, we got uh, Spurs versus Manchester City. City uh, in in unbelievably quote unquote in terrible form recently. Uh, three consecutive losses. Uh, if you take the United and the two Liverpool matches, uh, what do you what do you see for this match? Uh, can can Spurs keep the city's misery uh, going, and uh, can or can City uh, rebound somehow and and try to find get back in the winning column? Uh, that's a very tough question, uh, just because there's 
I expect a response out of Manchester City. Mm-hmm. I it's coming down to either they're going to just try and coast through, but they've been morally and mentally defeated, and Tottenham will take advantage of that, or it will be Man City is playing, for lack of better terms, very pissed off and out to take names, and it won't be pretty for Tottenham. But I will say Tottenham has won their um, previous two home fixtures, even though they aren't technically playing at their home, so to say. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, you know, we thought, actually, to your point, uh, I couldn't agree with you more as far as it pertains to Manchester City coming out and playing pissed off. They played pissed off in the first half against United and smacked them up against the wall. Uh, second half, different story. So I guess the better question is, can City be pissed off for 90 minutes? I would think with three defeats against rivals or crucial uh, matches, that should be enough of a motivating factor. Fair enough. So I believe if City wins this, that would clinch the title, I think? Yes, it should. Yeah. Um, I believe so. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think that's right. I, think, I know if they had beaten United last week, they were, they were going to be announced as champions, so that would only make sense that if they win this week, they would likewise be announced as champions. So they'd have to continue to lose, and United would have to continue to win for there to be a mathematical chance. Uh, jumping down to uh, Italy real quick, we're going to look at Serie A, the matchup this week. Aiden, this is interesting because it's the Roma Derby. Roma coming off one of the greatest Champions League upsets in recent history. They uh, go back home to both homes for both teams, the Stadio Olimpico in Roma, and they face Lazio, a team that now, after last week's win, has pulled one point ahead of Inter for fourth place and a Champions League spot in Serie A. Uh, any letdown, Aiden, for this? Um, the, the beneficiary of this match is going to be Inter. If Inter win their match this week against Atalanta, they basically jump uh, either one of these two. Um, so, do you see? Do you see Roma having a, a letdown? I know it's a derby, and I know it's it, it's their it's their cross city rivals. I mean, it's hard it's hard to imagine that you would uh, get down for this match. It would be much more interesting if, say, Roma were playing like Sampdoria or you know uh, someone like uh, Benevento or something that just literally you think is going to be a snooze fest. But this is Lazio and. Both Roma and Lazio are in a Champions League race to get back in the competition next year. So, how do you? How, what do you think we can expect from Roma? Do you think that they'll continue on this high, or do you think they're? Or do you think that, that we can expect them to? You can't expect them to play ninety minutes like they played uh, uh, yesterday. I think it's uh, it's going to be a compelling fixture either way. If I'm giving anyone the edge, though, I'm giving Lazio the edge to win this match. Um, primarily because, yes, Roma just came off a terrific win, but they have not been in very good form. Lazio has been in good form, and it would not surprise me if Roma suffers uh, maybe perhaps a bit of a hangover, so to say, where they come in and they obviously won't underestimate Lazio. That's not going to happen, but they may overestimate themselves. 
So if you're if you're Inter and Inter's coming off a, a very disappointing one nil loss to Torino and have dropped one point behind, uh, as I said, one point behind Lazio now for fourth place. Uh, now all the teams uh, after the tragic death of uh, Astori and some of those games being postponed, obviously um, they're now all at 31 match days or matches played. The if you're if you're if you're Inter. Uh, being one point back of Lazio, do you do you hope? I, do you, there's this interesting scenario because if Roma wins, then they stay and in, in, in Inter win, then they stay ahead of each other, and, and and Inter gains no ground on Roma. But they do; they would then jump Lazio. But then if both teams draw, then Inter with a win could jump. It's it's a very convoluted issue. So what would you think if Inter being one point behind? Uh, uh, Lazio, do you do you just hope for an outright Lazio loss? Are you a Roma fan this week if you're Inter, or or how do you see that? Well, Roma is also tied with Lazio. They're both at sixty points, and Inter's at fifty nine. Fifty nine, right? So, if I'm an Inter Milan supporter, I'm hoping for a draw from Lazio and Roma. I'm hoping for uh, walking away with all three points for my upcoming picture. I think that's no winner is the best possible solution as long as Inter is a winner. Yeah, and of course, uh, Lazio and Inter do play each other in the final match day of this season. So that, that, that is on match day 38, and that could be for all the marbles. A lot is hinging on that because everybody's rumored that, you know, if Inter does not qualify for the Champions League, which is for that club is an atrocity as much tradition and you know eight years ago we're talking about this is a treble winning side and eight years later now they're, they're they're scraping around for their champions league lives if they don't win the champions league uh possibly spalletti's out uh, uh icardi could be disenfranchised and he's pissed off you know whatever you hear very different uh um scenarios with icardi because you hear on the one side he's uh interista forever and on the other side you hear well you know real madrid could lure me away possibly if inter don't make champions league and then there's of course always the ever swirling rumor of diego simeone coming in to enter uh he's expressed in the past uh that he loves this club he you know that's where obviously he he played for many of his glory days uh just a quick uh, your your opinion on this do you see any scenario next season, Champions League or no Champions League, where Spalletti would be out of Inter and Diego Simeone would be at Inter? Um, and no, because I think in order for Inter Milan to be on the market for a new manager, they would have to miss out on Champions League. And Simeone is not going to leave Atletico Madrid, who's finishing most likely second in their division for a side that's in Europa League. Um, yeah, I just don't see it happening. Not this year. I think he will manage enter by 2022, but I don't think it will be next season. Fair enough. Um, that's I, 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 I agree with your assessment on that. I totally think, you, I think, I think you've called it right. I think Spalletti will be there next season unless he himself decides to step down think that Inter would be uh, silly uh, because to, considering where they were this time last year and how they finished in seventh place, uh, Spalletti has done wonders. I think they just need some reinforcements. I think they need to either uh, re-sign Joao Cancelo or Rafinha. Uh, either one or both would be nice. 
and they just need to get some um, some some help in there because they're they they have a really good starting eleven, but not a lot of depth. And of course, for Champions League, you need depth in order to survive in both uh, league and uh, continental play. Jumping over real quick to France, I, this this title this is the the, the the league's over, but it's an intriguing matchup nonetheless. It is this weekend, um, April fifteenth, Paris Saint Germain versus AS Monaco. What what do you think? Um, do we see, is there an upset here? Do you think Monaco has a chance to take down PSG, or do you think PSG is just going to uh, continue their steam role in Liga? PSG will do their normal. Um, obviously, I'd like to be proven wrong on this just for sake of parity. But, uh, yeah, I think PSG will continue what they do best, and that's dominate Liga on. Yeah, I honestly don't think too much needs to be said about that. It's 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 obviously... Uh, the most uninteresting of the five leagues simply because PSG won it like back in what September and um, <laughs> and you have Monaco but Monaco has uh, long since uh, been irrelevant in Europe you have Marseille who is Marseille uh, we're gonna get to this real quick before we leave but Marseille and uh, RB Leipzig in a uh, uh, hell of a draw or a hell of a fixture right now in the Europa League Um I just think that 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 France, uh, the the, they're they're basically it, it can be argued at this point whether league uh, is even uh, a top five league. It could be Portugal at this point. Could they they could have overtaken because you have Benfica, you have Sporting, there's uh, you have Porto. Uh, to me, the quality is just as good there as it is in France. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I think as a balance, I think Portugal has more. I guess, uh, higher-level teams. But I think uh, Ligue 1 is staying at the fifth of the Big Five simply because of PSG. Um, I I honestly think it's slowly coming to a point where we don't have a Big Five, we have a Big Four. And it could very easily become a Big Three uh, with the loss of Bundesliga. But that can be a discussion for another day. Aiden dropping the bomb, <laughs> the, the the Bundesliga irrelevancy. And guys, I did write an article uh, back in January when we were snowed in here in South Carolina with my good friend from uh, German Football Daily, that's uh, Julian. Uh, we wrote about the uh, Bundesliga and the demise. So if you get a chance, go check that out. It's uh, GermanFootballDaily.com. It's called uh, the Bundesliga on the Brink of European Irrelevance. Uh, real quick, uh, one team that's not irrelevant yet, uh, that's Barcelona. They face this week in La Liga, they face Valencia, who just as we spoke earlier, uh, just surpassed Real Madrid to jump into third place. Aiden, uh, is Valencia going to get a supremely pissed off Barcelona, or is Barcelona going to be a deer in the headlights and susceptible for the upset? I think it's possible that Valencia comes out on top on this one. Um, I think it's going to be either... It'll be dominance one way or another. I don't think it'll be a close game. I don't know who will be the dominant team, but I think one team's going to come out swinging and the other team will be stunned. So if you had to, uh, if you had to, if you had to, t- to take a guess on it, um, where do you see? Because do you think Valencia? Do you think Valencia cares? 
about that third place, or do you think it's much like, hey, you know, third or fourth? It's it's a matter of how how obviously you're going to try and beat Barcelona, but how much um, how much are you going to preserve the fact that you just want to stay in the top four? And really, I think between four and five in the La Liga, there's such a gap between. Uh, I think Real Betis is uh, currently in fifth place, and I think they're a good 15 points back. So is it is it really worth yourself at this point for Valencia to strain themselves to beat Barca? Or is it always going to be, yeah, if you get a chance to take down Barcelona, take them down? I think it's a combination of both. If you take down Barcelona, you take down Barcelona. They have not lost all season, which I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that they have no losses in La Liga right now. That's yeah, incredible. Uh, but also Valencia and past seasons have been an absolute disaster right now. There's so many things going on behind the scenes that are just not good. So now Valencia's kind of back on the scene. They're on the rise again. They're kind of reestablishing themselves as a dominant La Liga team. So I think they may be pushing for not just third place, but they may be pushing to go past Atletico Madrid, who's only up by three right now on the table. Yeah, it's going to be I think I think that could be one of the surprise matches. Uh I know we've talked about a lot of big ones. We talked about PSG Monaco, we've talked about Spurs City, uh the Rome Derby and of course uh the Riviera Derby, but I think uh anytime one of those Spanish top four sides plays another, uh it's always going to be entertaining football. Real quick look Aiden at the Europa League. We have tomorrow Europa League uh quarterfinal second leg. Let's look at the two teams real quick. Obviously, Arsenal. Are you surprised Arsenal's still alive in this competition and looking like they're going to advance to the semifinal? I'm not surprised that they're still alive. I think they will advance to the semifinal. However, I believe Arsenal was home in their first leg. I think they, yes, they were. Um, And it may just be because I'm a fan of the Russian Premier League, but teams, <laughs> Russian teams are not easy to beat in Russia. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it's no longer the dead of Russian winner. Uh, but for CSK, Moscow got that away goal, and they only need to win 3-0. I say only like it's nothing, but we saw Juventus put up three goals on Real Madrid, I think it's very possible that Moscow can put up three on Arsenal. Um, I do not think this game is over. I I think Arsenal is obviously the favorite to go through, <laughs> but I would not rule out an upset. Okay, we can both agree on the fact that Atletico Madrid is going through, right? I would think so, yeah. They got what they needed. They got a clean sheet in the home leg. Um, and I think just by how defensively sound Simeone style is Atletico Madrid will be able to maintain their lead against Sporting yeah so the last uh, you know as I would say major fixture I want to talk about I think um, uh, Lazio is pretty much they've disposed of uh, Salzburg I think that you know uh, it's unfortunate because I I, I I still believe Dortmund should have beat Salzburg they they, they didn't but you know it, it is what it is I disagree uh, with you on Salzburg being out right now. They have two away goals right now. They're only down by two on aggregate. And seeing them beat Dortmund, it's not a side I'm sleeping on. 
You are very right, sir. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I, I see where you're coming from there. I just, uh, uh, I, I don't, I just can't see, I can't see Salzburg pulling that off two legs in a row. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Salzburg could, could, could shock the world yet again and, and become the first Austrian team to advance to a semifinal of a, Euro, a major European competition. But uh, I want to talk about their sister club real quick. RB Leipzig, and you—you you know, I'm—I'm—I love me some Timo Werner. You know that. I mean, yeah, he's—that's—that's right. that's my guy. That's my guy. Um, this is a pretty even matchup. You've got the uh, uh, Leipzig is basically shuffling their feet between third place in the Bundesliga and sixth place in the Bundesliga. They've been doing that now for uh, quite a few months, and Marseille is fourth place in Ligue 1. So it's a very even matchup. You know, uh, say the. Um, Four through six team in Germany versus the fourth place team in in, in France. One nil. Uh, the door is open for Leipzig to go through. Uh, do you think that RB Leipzig a have they surprised you that they've done so well in their very first season of European football? And secondly, do you think that they have what it takes to get in the semifinal? Can they win this competition? I don't think they have it in them to win the whole competition. I think they can get to a semifinal. But it's less about what I think Leipzig can do right now. It's more of, will Dimitri Payet and Morgan Sanson show up Mm -hmm. for Marseille? I think those two players are, even though Payet was sort of a one-season wonder at West Ham United, uh, I think him and Sanson are very influential players. I think they are very talented However, we did not see their best against Leipzig in the first leg. If they're in good form, I think Marseille will have enough to push through. But if they have another complacent match, then it's going to be uh, end of season for Marseille. So i got to ask you one question. You said before, as a Dortmund fan, that you are rooting for Bayern München, the evil empire of the Bundesliga to to do well in the Champions League. I know your thoughts on Leipzig. You know my thoughts on Leipzig. But I must ask you, as a fan of the Bundesliga, are you rooting for RB Leipzig to do well in the Europa League? Of course. I mean, for me, it's Dortmund first, league second. Mm-hmm. And it can be even Schalke. I would root for Schalke. <laughs> even even Schalke. Yeah. yeah, it's... It's uh, if you're in the league, then you'll have my support in European competition. As much as I dislike what Leipzig stands for, uh, I also root for them. Well, we know what they stand for. We can't change that. But the fact is, RB Leipzig are here, and they are here to stay. It would seem um, very impressed by them handling uh, the what they call in Germany the Dreifachbelastung when you play the league the domestic cup as well as a European competition. Uh, I, they got, they've got a Champions League win under their belts. Uh, they've done extremely well in the Europa League. Uh, be, it, be it what many, many people say or not, that Napoli threw the competition in order to win Serie A, let's look at it this way. RB Leipzig still beat uh, arguably the second best team in Italy. Some may consider the, the best team. It depends on where things end up in Serie A, but job well done. They've continued to advance. Uh, my hat's off to them. I, I think that Masa Sapitzo is an outstanding player. Forsberg, excellent distributor of the ball. Timo Viana is going to do great things at the World Cup, I believe, from the number nine spot for Germany. 
And I, I think they just have an overall uh, pretty good squad. Um, would you agree with that? Or how, how do you see RB Leipzig as far as uh, and them constructed as a team? Under under Hasenhüttl. I think Hasenhüttl has them as a sound team. It's not the, the 11 on pitch are very good quality. Uh, all their players are very respected. I think it's even the seven on bench, let alone the men in the reserves, uh, that's where the problem lies. Um, I think they lack depth. And it, if they want to be competing on multiple fronts, uh, I think that they need to be adding depth and not necessarily first-team players. But obviously this summer they must find a way to replace Nabi Keita. And they, I could be in-house. It could be Conrad Leimer. Um, but it's likely going to be a transfer in. Well, yep. And I, I don't disagree with you on that. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think that Leipzig has some room to improve. And we'll see, of course, if, if, if uh, Hausen stays past this summer. That's, of course, another thing that's uh, being discussed right now. He's... Uh, rumors swirling for a couple of high-profile jobs uh, in the country, in the league. And we'll have to see where that goes. But, Aiden, we are out of time, my friend. Uh, real quick, uh, if you anything you want to plug or, or tell people where they can find you at Twitter because you do tweet some outstanding stuff and you do great work uh, when it comes to football analytics. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at ARDataAnalysis. Um, but yeah, that's basically where you can find me. And usually I just put some links of any of my other work. Uh, so yeah, that's all I have. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Aiden. Fantastic. And uh, we'll absolutely look forward to seeing you again and, and uh, our listeners hearing from you again very soon. Uh, this has been the Kings of Europe show. We've covered pretty much all of Europe. And uh, we're going to do so again next week, same place, same time. Thank you very much. And everyone have a good night. See ya. See ya.